so good to be here with you guys this morning. It's always an honor and a privilege uh, when I get to, to bring the message. And uh, we're starting a new series. This is uh, a four-week series that we're calling More. And so uh, hopefully that will be clear throughout the morning as we uh, dive into God's Word. And uh, in a few minutes, we're going to be getting to Matthew chapter 5. Uh, so if you need a Bible, you could slip your hand up in the air and we'll have uh, some of the ushers get that to you. Uh, but man, didn't you guys just enjoy having the youth praise team lead us into God's throne room. Yeah, they, they do a fantastic job. Uh, week in and week out on Wednesday nights, they lead our youth ministry. Uh, and I, I felt a little bit selfish asking Pastor Scott uh, if we could have the, the youth praise team uh, lead in worship and give the old, I mean, the adults uh, a week off. Just kidding. That's that's a joke. I know. So I, I love, uh, honestly, I love having our students uh, usher us into the throne room of God. It's so clear uh, that their hearts are just in it, uh, and they're not really performing. They just want desperately to lead us into God's throne room. I love that. I want more of that, uh, and you'll catch that. I'm going to do that throughout the message this morning. I'm just going to say more and see how many more times I can say the word more. All right. Um, Man, this series I, I'm so excited about because I think oftentimes in in our culture we get to this point where where we desire to have more. And if we're honest and we begin to wrestle with this uh, and step into this this topic, we, we begin to want more uh, of of worldly things. And and now that thanks getting or thanksgiving has passed. Um, there's, have anybody seen those commercials where it's like thanksgiving? That's ridiculous, isn't it? Like the season of thanksgiving doesn't even exist anymore. Um, they start celebrating Christmas in August. Um, stores put out like all of the Christmas things earlier and earlier each year, it seems like. Um, and it's not even Christmas anymore. It's, it's, holidays. Um, but whatever. So uh, there, there comes this point in our world and in our culture where it really is more about what we get. Uh, and I have some gifts here. Maybe you have started making your Christmas list and the gifts, the presents that you're hoping to get, the things that you want. Maybe you went Black Friday shopping and you uh, knocked over some people to get the things that you wanted because you need more. That's not what this series is going to be about. It's not really about the presence, but it's about understanding God's presence. Uh, we just sang that song, Set a Fire. We were talking about there's no place I'd rather be. For those of you who, who enjoy singing out loud, you sang that. There's no place I'd rather be than what was the next line? Here in your love. It's not talking about like your family. It's not talking about the person that you like. It's, it's talking about God and his love for us. And, and so I, I want to ask us, is that true for us? Is that true for you? Is there really no place you'd rather be than here? And I'm not even talking about like, well, it's Sunday. So yeah, sure. Like I, on a continual basis, is that where your heart really is? And this is what we're going to wrestle with. Do you really want more of the things of God? Do you really want more of Do we really want more of God? I love that we have a balloon on the cross. I want more of that. I would love to see our cross like levitating and floating because we have so many balloons on there to celebrate salvation and people who've put their faith and their trust in Christ. I'm excited about what God might say to each of us as we look at the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5 and as we begin to wrestle with our hearts 
and versus God's kingdom versus our worldly kingdom and what it means to be blessed. I think uh, if we're honest and we can take uh, a step back and look at the world that we live in and the culture that we live in, there are things that we desire, right? There are gifts that we want. We, we worship presence. We worship those things that we, we really place a high value on. But it's also... Um, it's just bombarding us um, from the TV shows that we watch to the commercials that we see. How many of you uh, have seen those direct TV commercials with like the Rob Lowe and, the, you know, there's two versions of him. There's like, well, I'm the suave Rob Lowe and then this is like the not attractive Rob Lowe. Now they're doing those direct TV commercials uh, with like football players where like they literally make it look like if you if you only have cable, you're lame, right? You need direct TV because everyone needs 3,000 channels uh, to watch or not watch, right? And so uh, I thought maybe it would just be helpful if we watched one of these uh, commercials so that we could all be on the same page. Hi, I'm Tony Romo, and I have DirecTV. And I'm arts and craftsy Tony Romo, and I have cable. Only DirecTV's NFL Sunday ticket lets you watch every single game live from start to finish. With cable, you don't get every game, so I channel my frustrations using paper mache. I can pick out any game I want to watch from the eight-game mix. I mixed a cupcake and a brownie. I'm calling it a crownie. Don't be like this, me. Get an NFL Sunday ticket only on DirecTV. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Isn't that ridiculous? So I don't even have cable, and I don't know what that kind of Tony Romo would make me. Um, maybe an injured Tony Romo, I suppose. Um, that's a joke. He's injured. He's terrible. Anyways, did I say that out loud? I think I did. I'm not even a Redskins fan. Wow. Um, but our culture has made it to the point where, where like, you're literally awful. You're, uh, you're, they make, like, there's nothing wrong with arts and crafts, but they made that look really lame, right? And that's the world that we live in where, where people just, we, we begin to hunger for more of the wrong things if we're honest with ourselves. So much so that, that even this past week at, at our Thanksgiving meal, my, my family, we were all sitting around the table, and as, as we're eating, we're talking about uh, the things that we were thankful for. And, and I had this realization that um, I, I shared, you know, that uh, Bethany and I this summer, we were able to buy a house, and, and so I shared that I was thankful for that. And afterwards, I started wrestling with the fact, like, I think if, if I'm honest, there was a part of me that got excited to share that with my family because it was more about like what we were able to do rather than God blessing us with the ability to buy a house. And last week, there were a lot of things that we listed over here. Maybe you have uh, something that you listed that you put up here that you're thankful for. And guys, we got to be honest because there's a difference between I did that and God's blessed me with it. And in our world today, it really is about the blessings that we receive. We, we tend to think about all of these things that we have. And we may, yes, think how blessed we are. But I think sometimes there's a confusion between the word bless and the word bliss. So let's look at the definition for the word bless. This is uh, what I found. There are three different forms of this. Uh, and, and this morning and through this series, we're really going to be camping on the first part of it. But the word bless means to provide something good or desirable 
another form of the definition, to ask God to care or to protect something. Another form would be to make someone or something holy by prayer, right? So when you bless the food, you're, you're praying over your Thanksgiving food and your feast, uh, that your wife did a good job cooking it so that you don't die and you're asking God to protect you, right? That's in essence what we're doing, um, maybe, a little bit. Um, so when, when we bless something, right, it is that idea of we're setting it apart, we're making it holy, we're praying over it, we're asking God to care and protect. This morning, we're going to really be focusing on the part of to provide something good. And scripture tells us in James chapter 1 verse 17, it says that every good and perfect gift is from God, is from above. Every good and perfect gift, think about that. Every good and perfect thing that you have is not from yourself. It's not because you worked hard. It's not because you earned it, like we're going to talk about this morning. It's from God. And I believe with all of my heart that, that oftentimes in our world today, we say the word bless, but we really mean the word bliss, especially in terms of our happiness. So let's look at the definition for bliss. Bliss refers to supreme happiness or utter joy. It's this idea of like our own satisfaction, our own contentment. Bliss is this state of being so happy that you're oblivious to everything else around you. Um, for those of you who have like an iPhone, you probably had that moment of bliss, like, like I don't know, and you just you enjoyed it so much, but then you realize that it's a what and not a who. It was a, a present and not presence of people. And it's empty. It leaves you feeling unhappy. And so this morning we're going to wrestle with, with is our presents, like gifts, are, are they what will really make us happy? Or is it the presence of others, especially this morning, the presence of God? For those of you maybe who, who have teenagers, and I, I know this well because I see it week in and week out, um, you're, you're longing for those relationships with them. You're longing for them to be present with you, but they're like doing this because they're on their phone the whole time, right? Maybe at your Thanksgiving meal, you had to beg them, please put your phone down. Stop taking pictures of the feast and posting them on your Facebook and your Instagram and your <laughs> all the social media posts. Because what is that? We're, we're trying to say what we have. We're trying to show people the more of the wrong things that we have rather than being in the presence of one another. So I want to ask us something. I want to ask us two questions that hopefully will help put in context whether you're pursuing worldly happiness, that state of bliss, or whether you're pursuing spiritual happiness, a state of being blessed. Here's the questions. Do you want more of God, or do you want more from God? And, and, and before you really kind of think about that, I want us to be honest. I, I want you to really think, like, not just in this moment, okay? Not just like, well, it's Sunday morning, and I'm at church, and I'm in God's house, and like, let's be honest with ourselves and really think, like, on the average day throughout the week, on the average minute by minute, hour by hour, moment by moment, do you really want more of God or do you want more from God? What's your perspective? Do you want more from him or do you want more of him? And I think we have to wrestle with this. The second one that I want to ask us is, do you want more of God's presence or do you want more of his 
presence, the gifts, the things that he offers us to give us? Or do you want more of his presence? Do you want to know that he's near and feel he's with you? Maybe some of us were like the rich young ruler. Pastor R talked a few weeks ago through the Gospels, and we looked at uh, the rich young ruler, and we, we saw this guy who, who came to Jesus, and we know three things about him. We knew that he was rich, we knew that he was young, and we knew that he was a ruler. And we knew that he had great wealth, right? That was good inductive Bible study. Um, Really, he came to Jesus, and he called him teacher. He called him Lord. He said, I want more of you. I want to follow you. But he had great wealth. He had a lot of things. And so what was Jesus' response to him? He said, well, you lack. You're, you're missing one thing. He said, go sell everything that you have and come and follow me. And so Jesus was inviting him to step into that one thing that he really needed but it wasn't the one thing that he wanted. He wanted to have it both ways. You see, the, this rich young ruler was like, yeah, but I have all these things. I have all these worldly possessions. I, I have a lot, but I don't want to give that up, Jesus. I just want to add you to it. And I think if we're honest, we do that with ourselves, with God. We, we try to just, God, I want to live my life the way that I want to, but I want to add you to it. I want your blessing. I want you to make me happy. And we're pursuing it in the wrong ways. So let's take a look at what Jesus has to say. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to be reading out of the ESV, uh, which I always joke that means the extra spiritual version. That's not true. It's the English standard version. But Matthew chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 1, and we're going to read through verse 12. And as we look at this, I want you to continue to wrestle with those two questions. Do you really want more of God or do you want more from God? Do you want more of God's presence, his nearness, his closeness, or do you want more of his presence, the gifts, the things that you want? Some of us, we, we, we think that it means that God doesn't want us to be happy. We can look at that rich young ruler and we think, well, God doesn't want us to be happy. He wants us to be holy. And there's, I think, a disconnect there. But let's look at what Jesus has to say. It says in verse 1, Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and where, when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And verse 2, Then he opened his mouth, and he taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are, catch this, persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Verse 11, blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Jesus says in verse 12, rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now I got to imagine for, for just a second that if I'm one of these people who've come a long way to hear about Jesus... Right? So far in the book of Matthew, we've seen that, that Jesus is born of a virgin. We kind of get the picture of how he's born. We've heard about John the Baptist. Jesus calls the first disciples. And now he arrives on the scene and begins to teach the people. And it says that his disciples gather around him. I'm picturing like a lot of other people kind of gathered around him. He's up on the mountainside. He's teaching. And he begins with 
blessed, okay, people like that, are the poor in spirit. Now, how many people do you think, like, got up at that moment was like, I'm out. That's weird. No. No, thank you. That's not what I was hoping you were going to say. The blessing part we like, but don't talk about being poor. He goes on and he talks about all of these other things that he flips their world upside down. He says, the things that you think you know in your world today, you've got it backwards. And when we look at this list of things that Jesus says you're going to be blessed because you do, because you think this way, wow, is that different from how we really act, how we really think. Even in our world today, this still applies. So this morning, we're really going to just focus on verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But throughout the rest of this series, we're going to be looking at the rest of these beatitudes. So let's ask, let's think, what does it mean to be poor in spirit? Well, there's a couple things that I think we've got to get past. Some would propose that Jesus here is speaking uh, primarily of of financial poverty. And we could look at that story of the rich young ruler and see, well, Jesus told him to go and sell everything that he has. And so in order for me to be a good Christian, I've got to be poor and live in a cardboard box and sell everything I have. And I don't really think that's accurate. But I think Jesus is digging deeper than just those surface-level things. I see Jesus advocating here that that being poor so that the riches and possessions don't come between you and God. I see that as a key point here. And while it's true that Jesus elsewhere warned against seeking riches, Matthew 6 verse 4, it it doesn't seem to be Jesus' point here in verse 3. Jesus really is speaking about being poor in spirit. He's talking about being spiritually poor, Jesus seems to be more concerned about the spiritual realities of our lives versus the material possessions. So again, what then does it mean for us to be spiritually poor? Let's go a little deeper. To be poor in spirit is to recognize that we are spiritually bankrupt. We're empty. We're in sin. And it's this understanding that you have nothing of worth to offer God. Now, I don't like that. (laughs) I'm going to be honest. I I don't like thinking about that. You probably don't either. It's this idea that you have nothing to give. You don't deserve anything. Being poor in spirit is admitting that because you sin and you're completely destitute spiritually and that you can do nothing, nothing to deliver yourself from that state of being. That's what he's saying here. That's what Jesus is is causing us to wrestle with. And and if anything, Jesus is saying that no matter your status in life, no matter what you have, no matter what your reputation is, no matter what your image is, no matter the big house that you hide behind or the clothes that you wear that you hide behind or the kind of car that you drive or the possessions that you have or what you look like on social media, none of those things matter. He's saying, really, it's all about being broken before God, being emptied before God. It's not the material possessions, but it's him. It's our relationship with him. And it's coming to that place of being bankrupt, being empty, and saying, fill me up, God. Fill me up. I have nothing. I have nothing. 
That's a very different place than where many of us live day in and day out. To be poor in spirit is to recognize that spiritual bankruptcy, but it's also understanding our dependence daily on him, that we need him. And again, I want us to think, like, is that really what our daily life looks like? Now, again, in the world that we live in today, would you say that you and I have a great need for God? Some might say yes, but, but in our world, in our culture, we don't really live that way, do we? When you go to the grocery store and you fill up your cart with groceries for the Thanksgiving meal and you take out your credit card and you swipe it, is your point of thinking there, wow, God, thank you for blessing me for the, the finances to be able to pay for this or pay for it later like some of you do. Uh, like, is that your point of thinking or is it, wow, I worked hard this week to earn this. See, there's a difference there. There's a difference there. To be dependent upon God regardless of what you have. It actually doesn't matter what you have. The moment that you put your trust in your riches, instead of God who richly provides, you're, you're unhappy. The moment you, you make it about presence versus him and his presence, him being with you, you're unhappy. The word blessed in, in this passage literally means fortunate or happy. Jesus is literally saying, if you want to be happy, here's how you structure your life. If you want to be blessed, fortunate, here's the things you must do. And he starts with saying, be poor in spirit. Be spiritually empty before God, saying, God, I need you. I depend on you. I count on you. And the what we receive, he says, is the kingdom of heaven. Well, what does that mean? The kingdom of heaven, I believe here Jesus is talking about primarily salvation. The moment that we stop putting our trust in the things that we have or the things that we've earned or us being good enough, and the moment that we start putting our trust, our hope in Christ, we have salvation. We receive the kingdom of heaven. We become adopted into God's family. We become his children. And it's not that he didn't love us before because remember he sent Jesus, his son, knowing how sinful we are. Jesus came from heaven to take our place, to, to stand and, and pay what you and I deserved, the punishment of death, the, the, the wages of our sin, what we earned was death. That's really what we deserve we deserved hell, and yet he gave us heaven. He gives us the kingdom of heaven. And that both starts at the moment of salvation, at the moment that we put our hope and our trust in Christ, we have, we're, we're citizens of heaven. It starts now and lasts for all of eternity. That's good news. That's incredible to think that God would do that for us. So again, in context of this, I ask you, do you want more of God or do you want more from God? Wow, this is hard, isn't it? I, I really don't like this. I don't like thinking about this. And yet when, when I think about the fact that this is one of the very first things that Jesus says and it applies both then in the New Testament times and now, I, we have to wrestle with it. 
We have to think about, do I really want more of God's presence, the things that he gives us, or do I want more of his presence, his nearness, his closeness? And I don't know about you guys, but I, I, I wrestle with this. Here's, here's what this means on a daily life, in, in your everyday life. Um, how many of you spend a, a good deal of time in the car, like driving, whether it's even five minutes in the car, driving you know, to work or running to get errands or whatever? Um, but a lot of you, maybe you drive five hours to get to D.C. Uh, when it rains, and so it takes a long time to get down there, and you have time in the car. Well, what does your mind do when you're in the car? If you're like me, your, your mind goes to either one of two places, thinking about all the things that you have to do, the to-do list, right? And, and you're like, I need to be writing these things down, but I can't because I'm driving. So you either have somebody do it for you, Siri, or <laughs> your spouse or whatever. Or, you know, as soon as you get to work, you start writing furiously all the things that came to your mind that you need to do. Or you spend a majority of your time wrestling with the what-ifs. You're worried. You're anxious. You're fearful. The, well, what if this happened? Or, well, what if they don't come for Thanksgiving? Or what if they, what ifs, right? And you begin to worry about those things. And I would propose that if we're really going to live spiritually poor lives, that it could start with something so simple as spending time in the car, being spiritually bankrupt, and saying, God, I need you. I need you today. God, I need you to provide. I need your help with my work situation. I need you. And just pray prayers of, God, I, I need you. Would you come through? Would you provide? Would you do this? God, and to make your time in the car, something so simple, whether it's five minutes or five hours, to just be in prayer. Now, there are other things that we can do to be dependent daily on God, like your prayer, right, your prayer of blessing over your food. Um, scripture tells us that we should be praying without ceasing. We should pray continually, um, not just like before we eat our food so that we don't die, right, if it's not good. Um, but honestly, like, are you praying? Are you telling God of your great need for him? I think it starts there. And I would challenge us, honestly, this week to wrestle with these questions. Do you need more of God, or do you need more from God? I want to even challenge you to make a list. Would you make a list, whether it's right now or, or this week, would you make a list and, and, and be honest, knowing that he knows what you're thinking and he knows your thoughts and he knows how you spend your time? Would you make a list of the things that you place above God? And you could probably start with how you spend your time. Make a list of the things that, that if you're really honest and you're really evaluating yourself, what are the things that you want more of rather than more of him? For some of us, it's probably the amount of time that we spend on the internet, whether it's Facebook or fantasy football or emails, right? We, we, we tend to want more of those things. Maybe you tend to want more time for yourself, rather than time with God. Again, those are different things. Maybe you, you want more financial security. Maybe you want more reputation or more appreciation at work. Or I don't know what it is for you, but begin to write those things down. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, we're going to come up with a fairly lengthy list of things that we worship more than we worship Him. 
Now, church, I'm, I'm, I'm being honest with us. I, I wrestle with this. But in my heart of hearts, when I really think about what Christ did for me on the cross, I, I want more of that. I want more of him. When I look at the times in my life where I've really treasured his presence, his nearness, the, the good things that he offers to me, I, I want more of my life in those moments than I do when I'm pursuing the things that I'm selfishly driven by. I want more of him because I know what it's like to live in the times where I want more for me. I want more of that. I'm going to invite the praise team to go ahead and come on up here. And we're going to sing a song called I Surrender. And, and, and I Surrender is this, I love this picture. It's kind of a lifelong thing of, of surrender. Uh, it, it doesn't mean like when the police are chasing you that you put your hands in your pocket because they're going to shoot you. They think you're reaching for something, a gun, right? So when, when you're being chased, probably not many of you have been chased by the police. Uh, but when they say stop or freeze, what do you do? You put your hands up because you surrender, right? I surrender is this idea of it is the end of me. I'm done. I, I give up. Surrender means like the end. I, I, I'm surrendering. I'm giving up myself. And I think that's what we need to apply from this, being poor in spirit. It should be the end of us trying to earn anything. And it should be the beginning of God working in and through us to say, God, I surrender. And so would you make this your prayer? If you're honestly at this point where you can say, God, I, I surrender. I want to know you more than my list of things. Then I invite you to sing with us. Maybe you're at a point where you're saying today, you know what, I don't know that I've ever really put my hope and trust in Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And maybe you need to say, you know what, today is the end of me, and I'm going to start living for him. Man, maybe you need to do that. Maybe you're at a point in your life where you're like, this is hard, and I don't like this, and I don't know what to do, and you just need to come forward and get on your knees or maybe where you're at to get on your face and just be before God. Maybe you need to come forward and have somebody pray for you because it's so hard to do that for yourself. I invite you to do whatever it is that God is calling you to do in this moment. So would you sing with us?